want to begin uh, with some word association, okay? So I, I'm, I'm going to give you some words, and then you fill in the blank. Can you do that? Uh, so let's see how you do. Um, Adam and, okay, you did it. Uh, Cain and, ooh, you guys are good. Noah and the, ooh, Samson and, you knew that one. David and, I heard a couple Bathshebas, but yeah, Goliath is probably the, yeah. Sodom and, you got it, Jonah and the, and finally Daniel and the, that's where we're at today. It's, uh, it's one of those, you know, top 10 stories in the Bible, and probably uh, this is overwhelmingly the most famous uh, story in the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 6 here this morning. Now, I remember hearing this story first as a child on flannel graph, uh, right? No, not that one. We, we want to put the one uh, with, with the nice kitties. You got the nice kitties there? Uh, the, the real pretty ones that are just purring. This is how, uh, when I recall my first uh, experience with Daniel, there, there's these five or six friendly-looking, smiling uh, lions, and they're licking milk off of Daniel's hand. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's how you think about it. Because they're just purring, and they're nice kitties, and, and, and Daniel's enjoying that, that really nice experience. But uh, this morning, instead of gentle, kind, smiling lions, um, I want you to think about real lions feasting on a zebra, okay? Uh, there you go. So that's a little gruesome, is it not? Uh, a pride of lions has brought down a zebra. The animal is still alive, kicking and crying out. And quite literally, the lions eat the zebra alive, okay? Again, I understand, painful and gruesome to watch. But what I want you to understand, these lions that Daniel was going to face were not pets. The lion's den was a vicious form of execution. Literally, this was the electric chair of Babylon. So if you were a hated criminal... This was the form of execution that you were going to face, and, and that's what's happening right here. These lions were raised to hate humans. They were kept on the gnawing edge of hunger, often not fed for days. Why? So they'd make a quick meal of whoever was dropped into their dens. Now, what we often forget, we get so wrapped up in the lions and the den, we forget about why... Daniel was dropped into the den. What did Daniel do that, that provoked people to actually drop Daniel into the lion's den? Okay? Daniel lived in a really time of hostility and spiritual hostile world. He lived strong for God. He refused to compromise, and the world hated Daniel because of his godly example. He was godly, and they said, I hate you. I want you dead for that. Think about that. You know, as you think about 2020 here today, uh, we're going to have the same thing happening. Some people will hate us for living and loving Jesus Christ. That's exactly true for Daniel back here in Daniel 6. 1 Peter 5.8, we still live in a spiritually hostile world, 
And note the verse here, and the enemy is still a roaring lion on the prowl seeking to devour and destroy. And who specifically does he go after? Who, who do you suppose the enemy, the lion on the prowl, who do you think he's going after? <laughs> Us who love and are committed to following Jesus. You need to be aware of that. Okay? So just before we stand and read the first nine verses of Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's been in Babylon now in Daniel 6 for about 70 years. Seven, zero. If he came to Babylon, let's pick 15, then he's 85 right now. Got it? So he's, he's an old man. He's 85 years old. He's risen to the top in every king's uh, presence that he's been before. He was Nebuchadnezzar's chief advisor. Last week we saw brought out of retirement to advise the new king of Babylon, Belshazzar, and today he's going to rise to the top in uh, King Darius's court, okay? So he's about 85-ish, and now once again he's risen to the top. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read out loud the first nine verses of Daniel chapter 6. Read with me, please. It pleased Darius to appoint 100 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. In accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, marvelous true story that you got written down for us in, uh, in your book of life for us to live by. So thank you. I, I pray that this familiar story would be new and fresh right today in your church here. Help us to tune in. Help us to hear your whispers and your prompts and your still, small voice. We acknowledge, Lord, 
Your word is quick and powerful and sharp and alive. And Lord, help us to pay attention to what you want to say to us from your book today. We also realize, Lord, that at salvation, when we said yes to your son, you put in us your spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we welcome your spirit, another power source to come and take charge in our lives. So you come personally and do that, Lord, and we want you to know we welcome you to come and be in charge today in your church. Right now, Lord, I want to pray for those who are watching online. I want to pray for those who are here in the auditorium, Lord, because lots of us are under spiritual attack. I I know the fiery darts, the, the roaring line is harassing and lying and sowing fear and doubt and trying to trip us up, Lord. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your armor. We need your son, Jesus, front and center in our lives. So, Lord, not just today, Sunday morning, but help us to wake up tomorrow and do the same. We invite your son, Jesus, to be king and ruler and savior and shepherd. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. King Darius has just overthrown the Babylonians, okay? Remember we saw last week they stopped up the Euphrates River, marched in, killed Belshazzar, took over Babylon. So now King Darius is in charge, and now his challenge is to rule and invoke law and order in the kingdom because lots of folks, they like the Babylonians better. They're not so sure they want this new regime. Darius appoints 120 satraps. What's that? They're basically 120 administrative districts, and and he would have somebody overseeing. They're like the mayor of each of the districts, okay? So the whole kingdom is, is broken up into 120 different districts, and three men will be vice presidents, probably 40 40 and 40, that would make sense, are, are going to oversee each of the re- regions, okay? Why would he do that? Look at verse 1. Here's his, his motivation. So the king doesn't suffer loss. Why, why did he do it? Because <laughs> Darius doesn't want to get ripped off. And he knows I'm a new king. I don't know everything. How do I keep a watch over my entire kingdom? Uh, I don't want to get ripped off. So I'm going to have these three vice presidents, and verse 1 tells us that Daniel was one of the three vice presidents. And once again, slide down to verse 3, Daniel's a cut above the rest, okay? So uh, there's three, and now clearly Daniel's head and shoulders above everybody else. So Darius, the king, says, I'm going to appoint Daniel to oversee the entire kingdom, okay? Okay. Daniel's character was clear and obvious to everybody. That's why he would do it. Why? Because Daniel's just the best, okay? And his character and his abilities are far above uh, better than everyone else. Look at verse 8 of Daniel 4. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar said back there. It says, the spirit of the holy God is in Daniel. So the, the pagan kings see something in Daniel They can't explain, but they like it, okay? And then last week in chapter 5, verse 12, 
in chapter 5, verse 14, the queen and King Belshazzar saw again in Daniel. He's wise. He's got character. He knows stuff nobody else knows. So they were seeing something in Daniel. They couldn't explain it, but they liked it, okay? Here's how Ray Pritchard, Keep Believing Ministries, he describes Daniel's character. Daniel was faithful in his duties. Daniel was faultless in his character. Daniel was fervent in his prayers. Isn't that good? Faithful duties, faultless in character, fervent in prayers. The emphasis is that King Darius said, there's only one person I'm willing to trust my entire kingdom to, and that's Daniel. Okay? Daniel, is, he's got such character, and I've watched him. He's the kind of guy I want to look over, oversee my entire kingdom, and he's ready to appoint Daniel to do just that. So I need to ask you who are watching online right now, I need to ask those of you here, how's your character at work? How, how, how do the people around you on the job view you? If we just went around and interviewed everyone, and I could just, you know, go around, and Jose, we're, we're going to interview everybody who works with you, and Myron, we're going to talk to your workers, and, and if we just interview each and every one of them, what are they going to say about your character? That's the idea. Daniel's character w was so wonderful that it was obvious to the kings, this guy's the best, okay? What would the folks at work say about your duties? Are, are you faithful in your duties? Are you faultless in your character? Do they know you're a person of prayer? Do the people at work even know you're a follower of Jesus? Because sometimes we're pretty good at hiding that. No, there's a separation of work and, and Jesus. No, no. Wherever we go, we represent Jesus. You understand that, right? Wherever we go, we're on the job as far as Jesus is. And it's not that we're going to go right down people's throats, but we're going to show the love of Christ everywhere we go. Never forget, a few years ago, a man started coming to Walloon Lake. You don't have to worry. He doesn't come here any longer, okay? But anyway, uh, I, I asked another leader who I knew had worked with him. I said, now, you worked with this person? And they said, yes. Um, I w worked with him for 20 years. And, and then he said, I was shocked to see him in church. And I was even more surprised when he was in membership class. Um, and I said, well, well, why? He said, well, for 20 years... He, he was as good at swearing and using profane, vulgar language. He was as good as anybody in the entire shop and almost always had a negative, bad attitude. I didn't think this was even a follower of Jesus. So I worked with him 20 years. I was surprised that, that, that he was a follower of Jesus. No sign of Jesus with him at work. Okay, Jesus, you stay home. I'm going to go do my thing here at work. You understand? Daniel lived in an evil, corrupt, hostile world. This is one of the darkest times, one of the most sinful times. But I just want you to understand, in that environment, Daniel's light shone bright. It really did. 
He, he was somebody that they would look at and they'd say, wow, something about that guy is really different. So here's my question. Are you ready? How's your light shining recently in the middle of COVID 2020? How are you doing when it comes to shining bright for Jesus? Okay? That, that's our job, to represent Jesus well wherever we go. Now, Daniel's rise to the top really irritated and angered the other leaders. Um, they were so upset and irritated and jealous with Daniel. Look at verse 4 that they said, you know what, let's plot, let's plan, let's do whatever we can to sabotage Daniel. Let, let, let's, let's get him out of there. Um, and they examined Daniel's life. I, I suspect they hired private investigators, uh, an ancient equivalent of such. They checked his texts and his emails. They spied on Daniel's phone calls and his spending habits. They looked at his taxes. They watched his television viewing habits. Obviously not, but you understand what I'm saying. What was their conclusion? There's no corruption in this man. There's, no, there's nothing in his life that we can use to get him out of here. Verse 5, very interesting. The only way we're going to get rid of Daniel is to trap him in his devotion to his God. That, that's the only place where we think we can get him, okay? They knew that Daniel was fully devoted to Jehovah, and Daniel was daily devoted to his prayer life, okay? Here, here's the idea. If we can force Daniel to choose between obeying the laws of the Medes and Persians or obeying the law of God Almighty, we know Daniel's going to choose God Almighty, okay? We know Daniel is going to choose the Lord. <laughs> so the jealous leaders present their trap to King Darius. Look at verse 7. Oh, King, how would you like to be God for a month? Now, just picture that, you know. How would you like everybody to think and pray to and, and just know with their mouth that you are God Almighty for a month? They're literally appealing to Darius's ego and his pride. You know, you, it's be kind of cool, Darius. You, you, can, you can be God Almighty, and then it'll have this unifying effect because all around the kingdom, Everybody in the ancient world, because at this time the Medes and the Persians controlled all of the... Everybody in the world for a month is going to pray to you. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And it'll be a uniting sort of a thing. You know, and, and now Darius is kind of puffed up. And he's thinking, yeah, I, th I think that sounds kind of good. And, and, oh, by the way, if anyone refuses to go along with your decree, they don't deserve to live. Don't you think? Uh, so sign this decree, verse 8, and everyone in the kingdom prays to you alone for the next month. And if they refuse, <laughs> we're going to give them the electric chair. We're, we're, we're going to throw them into the lion's den. Now listen, this is key. They knew that Daniel would never go along with this decree. They knew it. For 80 plus years, Daniel was known as a man of prayer, okay? So, verse 9, King Darius, with his ego puffed up, signs the decree in writing, okay? Finally, 
we're going to get rid of this goody two-shoes. Finally, we're going to get rid of this guy, and he's trying to over, overrule us and be in charge of us. So finally, we're going to get rid of Daniel. Let's go back to the text, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. What's the next line read? Just, just as he'd been doing for 80 years, just as he's always done. So what changed? Nothing, nothing, no. Then these men went as a group, found Daniel praying and asking God for help. I, wow. Without fanfare, without drama, Daniel just continues to live like he'd always lived. Here's the secret of Daniel's success. Track with me. You want to know what his secret sauce was? Here it is. What was the source of Daniel's strength and character Three times a day, track with me, three times a day, Daniel, it says very clearly, got on his knees and prayed. That's, that's the secret, okay? He, he was connected and staying connected. And, and if he got a little disconnected, it wasn't going to be very long. He's going to get reconnected. Do you understand? And, and I would suspect it probably was like early in the morning when he woke up, 6 a.m. and noon and, say, 6 p.m. Regularly, like a stopwatch, Daniel got on his knees and prayed. I would argue that's Daniel's secret sauce. Dan Daniel's source of character and strength, the reason Daniel, look, we look at him and say, wow, what a great and godly man, that was it. Eighty years Morning, noon, night, on his knees, praying. Now, John Piper calls Daniel's prayer here daring, defiant, and disciplined prayer. I like that. Daring, because he knew, he knew that he wasn't, he wasn't unaware of this edict. He was aware that what he was doing right now wasn't what the edict said was permitted. He was defiant, but he was going to continue in the same habit that he had been a part of his life three times a day for 80 years. Track with me. Daniel's not going to take a month off. Daniel's not going to choose the glory of Darius over the glory of his God. Just not going to happen. So he, he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to pray about it. Prayer was so important to Daniel that he would rather die than give up his prayer time with the Lord. I think I should say that again, don't you? Prayer was so critical to Daniel's life that he would prefer to get thrown to the lions than give up his regular morning, noon, night time with the Lord. Okay? And I want you to notice, Daniel doesn't pick it. Okay, he's not out there walking around the palace with a sign. He's not boycotting. He's not passing out petitions. He's simply doing what Peter said, Acts 5.29. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. 
Okay? And, and I'm just telling you, you don't have to use much imagination to be thinking about there may be a time where we would have to say, we must obey God rather than men. Okay? And, and that's the point, Daniel. If you're telling me I can't pray anymore, um, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to obey God on this no matter what, no matter what the consequences, okay? Now, we think that the miracle was that Daniel survived the night with the lions. We're going to get there in a minute. And I, and I would argue, yeah, that is a miracle. But I think the greater miracle is that Daniel continued to pray even when his life was on the line. I think the greatest miracle here is that the Lord had so strengthened Daniel through 80 years of morning, noon, and night prayer that even though he knew, yep, I, I very well may die over this, I'm still going to do it. This is what I'm called to. I'm going to have to obey God on this and not man. Daniel had the courage and the faith in the faces of a death threat. How could he do that? Because he had the power and the peace through a life of prayer. That's amazing. Go back to the text, verse 12. So they, that's the enemies, the spies, probably the two other vice presidents, uh, went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Uh, Darius, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Just reminding him, you, you do recall, you just signed this. Uh, uh, the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Verse 13, then they said to the king, uh, Daniel, you know that guy uh, who's one of the exiles from Judah, did you know he pays no attention to you? Your majesty ordered the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Bless you. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was, and he wasn't distressed because Daniel was praying. He was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Hey, hey, Darius, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree, no edict that the king issues can be changed. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Now, the reason that Darius couldn't change the law is because the Medes and the Persians considered their kings to be infallible. You understand? In other words, our kings don't make mistakes. Our kings never get it wrong. They're always right. And to change the law would be to admit weakness. It would be to admit that we made a mistake and uh, our kings don't make mistakes. You understand? That was the thinking going on here. And Darius is angry. He's angry because he's been tricked. He knows th this was a scheme and a deceitful plan, and now he's about to lose his most valuable man, his most valuable advisor, 
Daniel. Verse 16, I like it. The king is so concerned for his room. Dan, you're going to die now, and I'm really sorry about that. And here, here's what he says. Hey, Dan, pray to your God, Daniel. Now, why was Daniel getting thrown into the lion's den? Talk about irony here. Okay. Pray to your God, Daniel. And the reason you're about to get thrown is because you're praying. But keep praying to your God, Daniel. And, and what was Daniel's crime here? Track with me now. What was Daniel's crime? He was found guilty of what? That's his crime. You, you've been found guilty of praying to the God of gods. Uh, now, the, uh, the ancient world um, kings, they, they didn't get bored. They, they, didn't, they didn't get troubled because they had everything at their disposal. But you'll notice, verse 18, um, they throw uh, Daniel in. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. In other words, nobody can mess with this uh, den until the morning. Okay, so the king, if you mess with this seal, you're messing with the king. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. It seems, it seems the king is so upset that his friend, the best of the best, is now going to die. He doesn't eat. He doesn't watch TV. He doesn't watch gladiator games. He's got no dancing people coming around. And he can't sleep because he's so worried about his friend Daniel. Verse 19. The first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And if I was Daniel, I'd pause for about 30 seconds just, just to let him, let him think. <laughs> I don't think Daniel did that. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the mouths of the lions, They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel up out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and now they take Daniel's place. They were thrown into the lion's den. And here's where it gets rough, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Seems harsh and cruel to our modern senses, but this was, according to the Persian law, exactly what was going to happen. Strong message, you don't mess with the king, you don't deceive the king, you don't play games with the king. Here's the message, don't mess with the king. An eliminated family back then, because they would want to take revenge, perhaps. 
They, that just eliminates this problem, okay? Here's the principle that lasts. Anytime you and I get involved with sin and rebellion, here's the lie we believe. Jose, it's just my sin. It's not, you know, it doesn't affect anybody else. What I do is just my choice and no one else is affected. And that's the lie that Satan tries to get us to buy into. No one else will know. No one else will be affected. Uh, It's just me doing this, okay? Sin only infects and has consequences for me. Here's the truth. Give me your eyes. Sin always affects the people around you. Sin always gets passed on and the consequences to the people around you. Even if they don't know what you're doing, even if they're not, even if you're pretty good at hiding it, I promise you, your sin has consequences not just to you, but the people closest to you, people around you and your family. Matter of fact, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, that's, that's really kind of something that gets in my head because it says our sin has effects and consequences down to the third and the fourth generation. So that's not just my generation, or that's not just my kids, that's my grandkids, and that's my great-grandkids. Are you tracking? So when you sin, it has effect. It's not just you, and I, and I guess we see that here in this story. There's effects. These guys thought, well, well, I'm just trying to get rid of my rival here. It has effects to the third and the fourth generation. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth. He's writing to know at this the Medes and the Persians controlled the entire ancient world. Okay, they were the king of the hill. And he writes to everybody worldwide, May your may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never... It sounds like Psalms. It sounds like Moses is writing, doesn't it? Uh, Talking about God. He rescues. He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and then into the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. A new decree issued by the king of the ancient world. I'm not infallible. I'm not God, but I've discovered who is. Isn't this cool? I'm not it. You guys have been praying to me. But from the lips of a pagan king, there is a God. He's the God of the Bible. He's capital G God. You should know that. He is the real deal. And he sends that edict to the entire ancient world, okay? Two key lessons, and we're done, okay? Uh, here's, here's the first. Daniel's secret sauce, Daniel's power source was his daily commitment to prayer. Dan- Daniel's, Daniel, the secret to his integrity and character, he was on his knees three times a day, morning, noon, and night, Here's what you need to know. Daniel didn't start praying after the king signed the decree into law. He didn't wait to start that habit. In other words, 
character is not forged after trouble is revealed. Instead, when trouble and crisis comes, character is revealed. Okay? You, you don't start something when the trouble hits. I'm telling you, you got to wait and you got to be ahead of time because once trouble knocks at your door, it's usually too late. Now fear and panic and worry and, oh, no, what am I going to do? And you get paralyzed. If you wait till trouble knocks at your door, it's too late to start praying. It's too late, okay? Daniel had this holy habit for 80 years. And his habit of 80-plus years when the crisis came revealed his godly character, okay? In the moment of adversity, suddenly now it's shown very bright, okay? Here, here's my question. What would it take for you to get you into this holy habit? What would have to change in your life if you were going to say, you know what? I like your secret sauce. I want that kind of power. I, I want that kind of character in me. What would have to change in your life to get on your knees three times a day? You know, for some of you, you're thinking, I, have, I, don't, I don't know that I have time. There, there might be some things that are going to have to go if this is seriously going to become a part of your life. I promise you, the reason we look at, back at Daniel and say, wow, what a godly man. Here's why. Here's why. And I would tell you, if you'd start making that your godly habit, I believe the Lord would use you to start changing your world. I think the Lord is looking for Daniels today, but to follow Daniel's lead is not, not just, oh, oh I, I'm going to defy the king. No, no. It started by getting on his knees morning, noon, and night. Lord's still looking for some Daniels. How about you? Second lesson. And uh, I didn't get this one until I started studying. Okay, I, I've taught through Daniel before, but this one just sort of jumped. Okay, and I'm reading, and it's like, whoa, never saw this. How Daniel points to Jesus Christ in such a clear and strong way. Track with me. Daniel was innocent, but envied and hated and condemned to die. Jesus was innocent, but envied and hated and condemned to die. Daniel was placed into a pit of death, and a stone was rolled over the entrance with a seal placed across the stone. Jesus was placed in a place of death, and a stone was rolled over the entrance, and an official seal was placed across that stone. Daniel was pulled out of that pit early in the morning, right? And Jesus Christ walked out of the pit of death early on Sunday morning. Can I, can I just tell you? Daniel's God is our God. Daniel's Savior is our Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Um, if you'll trust in Jesus, 
who took your place on the cross, shed his blood for my sin and your sin, took our place in the tomb, and early on Sunday morning, Jesus arose from the dead, and he did that for you and for me. Jesus rescued Daniel from the lion's den. And Jesus will rescue you and me if we'll just cry out and invite him to be your Savior and Lord. He'll take away all of the line of sin and death and guilt and shame and judgment. He'll do that for you. Daniel prayed three times a day to the Lord, and the Lord used him to change the world. If you'll begin to follow Daniel's habit, give me your eyes. I believe this with all my heart. If we start praying as Daniel did, the Lord will use us to change the world. Do you believe that? Okay, there's two of you, I heard, a little, little grunts. Okay, if, if we would follow his lead and get into this godly habit, and that's what it is, it's a holy habit of praying and getting connected, I believe the Lord would use us to change our world. What do you think? Okay. Let's pray as we close. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for including the example of Daniel in your owner's manual for our lives. Thank you that you knew we needed uh, his character to shine bright. And uh, thank you for his example of getting on his knees for decades, three times a day. I'm convinced, Lord, the Lord would change our lives and change the people around us, change our worlds, if we'd follow his lead. What would it take for you to follow Daniel's lead there? What would have to change if you were to make that holy habit your own? Lord, I'm, I'm committed. I'm going to get reconnected and cry out and talk and listen to you, and I'm going to aim for three times a day. I just wonder, the Lord's knocking and prodding at the door, and... Uh, He's saying, you know what? It's time for you to follow Daniel's lead here. It's time for you to say, you know what? I want that to be a holy habit in my life. So, Lord, uh, you're, you're knocking at my heart. You're nudging me that direction. Lord, see my hand. Would you just lift it up before the Lord if that's he's talking to you? If you're willing. I know that's a big ask. But we got a big God who wants to do big things in and through you. Anybody else? Yeah. See these hands, Lord. And if they have a bad week, Lord, help them not to quit. Help them to double down. And we're going we're gonna to make this a holy habit. Might take a little while to fully kick in gear, Lord. We want you to shine right in our lives. Finally, is there anyone here watching online or 
here in the auditorium who'd say, you know what? I need that Jesus that Daniel was praying to. I need Jesus as my Savior, my King, my Lord, my friend. I need Jesus to rescue me. I got a whole lot of uh, guilt and garbage in my life right now, and, and I need Jesus to give me victory over all of uh, the stuff that I'm dealing with. I need him to be my Savior. And right where you're at, watching, listening, here today, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you are the sinless one. You took my place on the cross, shed your blood for my sin problem. Jesus, you took my place in the grave, and early Sunday morning you arose from the dead. You did that for me. By faith, right now, I believe those facts, and I receive you as my Savior, my King. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here together. It's a privilege. We love you. We're thankful again for your book. It's in Jesus' marvelous name we pray all these things.